0: Australian Futsal Committee, welcome to your Footy in Australia podcast uh, number nine. Every podcast, we bring some, uh, some special guests to the show. Some guests that have impacted Footy in Australia in a positive way. And today is no different. Today I have two very special guests. Uh, we're going to be talking about their journey. are going to be talking about their, their club. So the first one is Alex Lalovic next to me. Welcome, Alex. And thanks for accepting invitation.
1: Thanks for having me, Andre. And I'm looking forward to being part of the show tonight. This one
0: is one I'm very looking forward to. Uh, and the next one, Nesta, amigo, how are you? Thanks for accepting the invitation.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see you, Anna, and thanks for the invite.
0: So for the ones that don't know, Alex next to me, he's the head coach of Cumbria Cumbria, and that's the main topic of the show today. Uh, and below me is the president, uh, vice president, sorry, uh, futsal player. W- what else are you, Nesta? Can you tell me all your
2: roles in the club? <laughs> I don't know the roles. I do all the roles <laughs> at the club. <laughs> Watching everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, running clubs in Australia have to be more than one role, don't you?
1: For sure. Oh, yes. For sure. Yeah, you got to do a, you got to do a lot, especially early <laughs> on when you're starting out. But we've got a big team now helping the club go forward, which is really good.
0: So, just before we start, can you tell us some of the names that uh, help you guys? Some of the team that you just mentioned.
2: Yeah. So we have. A, you mean the committee? So at the moment we got a committee of around ten people at the club. So that's been growing for the last probably few years, and especially now that we we're trying to get a futsal centre open, then you know we've been growing that number. So we're probably about 10 people in the committee helping out.
0: Very good. That's a that's a big number. Is that including uh, what? What are some of the roles, if you can mention to us?
2: Yeah. So basically, obviously, the president, which is uh, who is there, Dean Hayes, and got me vice president. We got a treasurer and. Um, Secretary, and then we got a few members there. Usually, parents of people that have been involved at the club for mm-hmm. a few years, and they have various roles from uh, looking after the teams, and, um, and now with um, with a new center, obviously looking at opportunities that will come with it.
0: So, look, we're going to be talking about this new center very soon. But let's uh, just before we get too excited, get to the to the future. Let's talk a little bit about the past, guys. Uh, for the ones that don't know. Obviously, at Nesta, you still have a little bit of an accent. Uh, Alex, uh, where were you born and where did you grow
2: up?
1: So I'm originally uh, from Serbia, and I grew up there in my early years. Um, and then I moved to Australia when I was six with my family, and I've been here ever since. So,
0: so sorry, how old were you when you moved over? Six. Six. Yeah, so right, I've been
1: so here well. a, a good a good portion of time now here. So yeah. So you grew up in Perth. Yeah, always. Yeah, always been in Perth. So it's home now.
0: And uh, last time, we'll talk about X, and that's something we're never going to lose. Um, so how was growing up for you? Where did you grow up?
2: Yeah, so I was born and grew up in Colombia. Um, obviously, lived there until I was around 25, 26, before I moved to Australia. So and then ever since been here, i lived for uh, nearly two years in France, too, mm-hmm. but um, mainly been uh, yeah in Australia for the last yeah, 11, 12 years now.
0: So it's been a beautiful journey uh and growing up uh, do you guys play futsal uh, alex in perth did you play futsal much in, in perth at that time
1: yeah um so i mean i started off like a lot of people here with outdoor football when i was 10 um, but i started playing not futsal but indoor soccer more so when i was 15. um there wasn't so at that time there was the state futsal league that had that was running but there wasn't all the junior state futsal leagues which there are now and uh, most mm-hmm. people played sort of in the in the rec centre. So that's where I started for the first five years and then ended up joining the State Futsal League when I was, I think, 21. Um, yeah. And then I played in that for about five years um, and then ended up joining Cumbria um, where I took more of an administrative role as well. But I was only there for, for a year at the start before moving away for a couple of years for work. Um, so yeah. I came back about mid-2019. And, and so since then I've been back sort of in the head coach role, which I was in just before I left, so...
0: We're going to get into that into with more details. But uh, Nesta, growing up in Colombia, uh, f- how, what was futsal like? Do you play, do you, in Colombia, did you play AMF or FIFA rules at that time?
2: Yeah, so when I was a kid, it was only AMF. The futsal wasn't already, uh, in the country yet. Mm-hmm. So you went in when I was probably at universities when we started being introduced to futsal, as we say now, the, with the FIFA rules. Yeah. So uh, before then, uh, I was all AMF. So it's more like a street, really street uh, futsal with the throws and all that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but that's what I grew up with playing um, futsal, basketball, uh, outdoor. And, and it was only until I was probably around 13, 14 that I sort of started focusing on futsal, mainly when I went to university in Colombia. It's probably similar in Brazil. University sport is quite competitive. Probably a step below to what you see as professional. So this yeah. is when I, I started to focus only on futsal, really, and and then this is where where I really fell in love with the sport. So the what first few the years of uni like? was first few years of uni was uh, AMF, and mm-hmm. I was there when we made that transition. So, uh, you know, I played for probably for two or three years futsal as we see it now, and that was just before probably I came to Australia. Yeah, somewhere there. Just a couple yeah.
0: of years um, we're not going to get into much of the details but what, how was the transition for you going from um, the games uh AMF, you can still pass back to the goalkeeper can, can, can you
2: yeah, yeah, yeah so you could pass back uh, yeah I guess for me it was everyone was going through the same transition so it's not only me. So yeah I guess it's a transition that took took a while and, and for the I mean for the futsal in Colombia was the, I think they're still transitioning <laughs> At this point of yeah, time, um, you know, AMF I is still big. In, yeah, AMF is still huge in Colombia, as, as I hear it really. And um, it's only uh, like the National League of Futsal was only introduced in 2011, which I mean, I was already living here for five yeah. years and that happened. So, quite so it was mainly AMF. Yeah.
0: And um, so with the AMF, just before we move on again, is there anything that w- you wish? Y- it would they've stayed from the AMF? perhaps uh, the corner throwings or sideball throwings or do you is there anything you miss from that game, the court m- maybe being a little bit smaller?
2: Not really. We, we were playing on a big court. I mean the big tournaments were always on a big court. It's only mm-hmm. like on the streets that you play on a sort of basketball size court. but anything that was sort of official was always on the on the on a big court on a forty by twenty. So, the size yeah. wasn't really a big change. And uh, really, it was not a big change. And the throws and corners and things like that, yeah, obviously a bit different. But I don't think that was a big factor in the, yeah. in the change, really. It was more, more, more than the fact that people were just used to playing AMF. So, you know, if you just play that all the time, then you just get used to it. You know, so obviously- I, I don't see it was a big change.
0: You move to australia but just let again before we move to australia let's talk about colombia So very quickly uh, colombia didn't make the world cup this year which was a big surprise uh, a, a country like uh, colombia should be in the world cup the last one lost in the round of 16s the one in 2016 in colombia in 2012 in thailand lost in the semi-finals to brazil uh, in a very hard match had chance to go through uh how do you see colombia right now
2: yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of quality players. There's a lot of talent, um, but I can see we're still sort of going to that through that transition of AMF and there's a lot of money still in AMF in Colombia. You know, a lot of local tournaments and sponsors that prefer to, to mm-hmm. do AMF. So I think it's going to take us some time before we can fully see futsal as the main indoor sort of soccer sport in Colombia. And obviously players, you know, we need, players to play futsal consistently. I went there in two thousand fifteen and I could see firsthand that there's a lot of AMF still in, you know, so obviously you lose a lot of talent. Not lose, but you have a lot of talented players that correct that choose to play AMF. And obviously you can see that that, that reflects on the the national teams and all that. So
0: and in EMF you it's you guys are big power uh, powerful, power nation EMF the last three World Cups you won two. So um, yeah, yeah, no, no wonder it's so, yeah, so supporters it's,
2: for the country. Exactly, it's in the culture. It's in the culture. If you go to the small cities or in the, in the suburbs, it's, it's AMF. Like a lot of people from from outside don't even know that futsal exists as a sport with you know with mm-hmm. all the all the rules that make it international sports. So I think the culture needs to change over time, and then you know, and then I guess the sport will will take off there.
0: For sure. And uh, Nesta, what made you move to Australia, if you don't
2: mind me asking? So, yeah, I was, so after I was, uh, you know, I started uh, studying uh, music and sound engineering. That's what I chose to study when I finished high school. That's when I sort of started playing futsal or AMF and sort of, I was playing the two sports really different days. So, um, and then I wanted to take futsal more seriously and I got to, I for played for a club that was it's called Saeta. It's one of the sort of big clubs in, in Bogota. And I was, um, I stopped by university for a couple of years just to focus on futsal. I played there with um, some good players, Angelo Caro, who is now the captain I of the national Car- team. So I, so I yeah. played with him. I, he was uh, We probably grew up together playing along the same ages. He was a bit younger than me. We so were playing the same club. And we had uh, the fortune to have a coach like Zego, Brazilian coach. He was brought in to to coach the the club. And I was there for a couple of years, but there was never really a pathway for for me or for the sport to go anywhere, really. So more than just playing locally. So I was always sort of going back to study and going back to futsal. But then I wasn't enjoying either. So I, I decided to stop and take a break and travel. And this is where I, I came to Australia with a friend of mine who, who had uh, um, already organized a trip to Australia, my best mate. They said, oh, let's go and spend six months there. I said, Let, let's do it. We came to Australia as a refresher, and then I'm still here 12 years later.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it brings back memories, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Alex, uh, is uh, not having a pathway something that uh,
1: affects your so growing up as well? Um, I think it has had an impact, and I think more so just looking at um, at it from a, a standpoint of, of our club and, our, and the players that we've had. Um, so obviously we had a, a few really good years from, you know, start of like 2011 to like 2016, and a lot of those players really achieved most of what there is to achieve at a club level here in Australia, and there wasn't really anything more to go by. Mm-hmm. Um and and so that's where we we found there was a bit of a block. Like guys had reached a certain level, um, they'd won you know what there is to in WA. They won some of the national cups, um, played um, for other teams in F League, and so and that was it. Like there wasn't really much further to do beyond going overseas and trying to do something which we had a number of players do. So we, yeah. we did find the lack of pathway um, in that aspect to be you know somewhat of a of an issue in, in retaining players eventually. But we also wanted them to you know try and get more out of the sport. So we were always happy when they found opportunities to go and and push themselves further, whether it was guys like um, Yazid Omar and Faris Narani in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Yazid's still there. And, you know, we had Salman um, Ahmadi who ended up going to uh, Kuwait um, and playing in the league there when he went back home under one of the former Spanish national team coaches. So there was those opportunities. But we found that, yeah, we did get to a point here where we just – we needed the next step, but it wasn't there in place in terms of the sport and what we could offer. So, and that's yeah, something this we pa- want to to change. So.
0: This pathway is something that, um, will help everyone. If we, if we can all get together in Australia, they'll just help everyone and get more exciting, more and more, yeah, uh, focus on futsal. Uh, Nesta, how, how was Kambu created? Who, who, who created with as well?
2: Yeah, so Kumburg was born because of... Uh, actually, I was uh, doing my university course. I was doing a sport management course and I was asked to do, to do some hours for a prac. And, and really, I was struggling to find the right prac considering I was uh, I was uh, um, working as well and I had a young family and all that. So, So I couldn't really find the time to do that and I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to... To do something um, with the sport that I love, and and that's how Cumbria was born, um, as a club that was in 2012. Um, I created my my own club and start sort of trying to put things in place that I experienced in my life, you know, mm-hmm. as a player, as a you know, I organized competitions as well a bit at university, and using all that and the things I was learning at uni to, to really sort of create the opportunities for myself and for other people as well.
0: No, very good. Um, and, and what does uh, Cambio Cumbre stand for?
2: So the translation is, uh, together, is like a turning point. So a turning point is the official translation of Cambio Cumbres. Um mm-hmm. The way I, I, I picture is I, I, I wanted it to be a turning point for the players who decided to play for the club. And that obviously came down to them, their mindset and their commitment to the sport. You know, Obviously, at, at that point, um, everyone was playing futsal here as a social sport. It was only really one club at the time, which is Multicama, that had players that had previously played futsal and in other countries and all that. So, you know, I always I always liked to, I, I wanted to recruit local players, players that are from here, and um, sort of sell them the sport of futsal and make them commit, and, and um, eventually they could sort of dedicate to that and make a living of it. And that's always sort of been the philosophy of the club, is try to get local players and, and get them to commit to futsal and try to help them get um, as high level as possible um, with the resources that we have.
0: No, very good, very good. The early days, uh, how did you actually create the team in the early days? How did you convince the players to come to Cambio come Cumbria? Um, and what were some of the first things you tried to work with the players?
2: Yeah, so for me, the first thing was to obviously have a team. <laughs> so I, I sort of um, picked uh, the players that uh, didn't have a chance playing for other teams in the league. So mm-hmm. And some of them were good friends of mine, like Daniel Capillaro, early days, Victor Garzón. So I had a quite a few good friends, and, and then they were happy to be part of, of the journey. And the first thing was to change the culture, you know, introduce trainings. No one was training at the time. Or anything like that. So training for us was important. Have a a more serious sort of approach to the sport. Commit to it and make it the primary sport because obviously there's a lot of players playing outdoor and other things. So for me, it was uh, important that at the early stage that we establish the right culture, and um, the players could understand that opportunities will come only if they commit to the sport. And this is how we of so early days we we set up the culture and it, it was um, it just grew up from there and it, it, we very quickly growing numbers within a year we had a draft team you know which means we had probably around 15 20 players. and they all committed to the sport obviously different levels a lot of them very very raw but but at least they were committed and then mm-hmm. you know from there within two or three years we had a women's team and and a junior academy which obviously for a you know, for a small city like Perth, it's um, sort of remarkable to be able to to create so much change in the environment. With, I mean, we saw we saw little that we had at the start. So,
0: yeah, I was um, I was actually very lucky that I followed your journey since the start because you guys came, I think, to play the Series Footy Australia in two thousand twelve with Muita Calma. The following year, you started Cambu the or something like that, uh, and I remember follow, watching these steps, as in studying really the basics, and you you kept improving the team every time you came. You kept on getting better, better. And we used to chat. Uh, you used to come to me and say, uh, "All right, we were working on this. The next step will be this." And then I, when I saw you next time, the next step was done. It was very good to w- watch your progress. But on the court, you said that the players were very raw. How was that process of getting players that never played futsu? I know it's a bit of a hard question, but what did you work with with the players on the court? The early days, the first steps, I mean, what was a little bit of yeah. the process like?
2: Yeah, the first step for me was to change the mindset, really, just to make them understand that futsal is a sport. It's a different sport to outdoor or to indoor soccer, where they play in rec centers and all that. And if, if, they, if they wanted to take the next step, they had to commit to it. You know, they had mm-hmm. to uh, learn new things and they had to commit to learn and make mistakes and, you know, try to progress like that. So I, I really just focus on the mindset for the first year. So, yeah, we introduced, you know, the technique and a few basic systems of play and learn how to defend and things like that. But for me, it was mainly about changing their mindset. And uh, and, and, and then I think it worked well. And, and you know, we're still, we're still having sort of a similar approach to that, you know, it's... It's just we need that commitment from the players. We need them to understand that this is a unique sport, a different sport. And even the players that we still have players that play outdoor at, at our club, but they see futsal as a, as a separate sport and they value and they and they, uh, they um, understand that they have to commit to the things that futsal bring. And, and of course, then we try to improve the things that we have to improve technically, use the weak foot. I've always been a big fan of using the weak foot with mm-hmm. the players and you know learn to play off the ball and defend, and all that that all that's all always been also part of it but for me the mindset and change the culture has been a big thing so that's always been the, the main thing for us just the the culture have, and the approach yeah, the players have
0: you have managed to set a good coach in the club Alex uh wh- when was the f- do you remember the first time you played against Campbell Cumbria what was your I know that you, now you're on the side of Cambio cumbria what was it like playing against Cambo cumbria in the, the, the early days?
1: Um, yeah, it was always um, a match we look forward to. So I was part of a few other clubs before cumbria. Um I started the club called Perth Aquila, uh, which was with some fellow friends that we sort of got together and, and we started the club. We wanted to you know, play more competitively. and. Mm-hmm. You know, every time we came up against Cumbria, it was coming up against the you know the toughest team in the league, and we had a lot of really good matches with them. But we they were always very hard games. We always knew that coming into it, we had to firstly defend you know really well because they were so well organized and well structured and moved the ball really well. Um, so they were always difficult matches in that respect. And um, and there was a lot of players of quality that could do damage. So you know we always had to make sure that they were accounted for, and it was just you just had to be prepared to play. Um, for forty minutes and, and really work work hard to to get anything out of it. And you know, most of the games we lost, we did manage to get a couple. <laughs> but um, you know, they're always very tough games. And I mean, it was it, it was interesting, you know, seeing it from that perspective. And then once when you joined the club um, and sort of being on the other end, it's it's a completely different thing. But um, uh, there were yes. Was, v- some, yeah.
0: oh, was there point when you? Um- you did you just, have you stopped playing futsal or have you just been coaching yeah I've mainly been-,
1: been, I've mainly been coaching um sort of mm-hmm. since I joined cooperbra I played a little bit um, before I left um actually when I did come back i was um I did come back and play a few games but I injured my knee I think second or third game back um and so then having obviously a bit of time off through injury just allowed me to focus on on, on coaching again and so that's sort of the role I've been in. For the last two and a bit years since I've been back,
0: and Nesta, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about foots in the brewery. But w- w- what you seeing, Alex? That you ma- made you bring him into into Cumbria?
2: Yeah, so Alex for me is is uh, he's, he's, he's been great and he's actually a great coach and a great manager. So um, the ability he has to handle players and to. You know, to to sell them the idea of what we have to do, what's best for the team, what's best for the club, is something that I haven't seen very often. So mm-hmm. his managerial skills are outstanding, and of course he's a smart guy, and he's he understands. He's new to the sport, and he's 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 put a lot of work over the years to learn the sport and educate himself to, you know, to be a better coach. Um, obviously, complementing that to his great um, personal skills and, and the ability to to manage people. So,
0: Alex, like many Australian managers, uh, when you work with someone like Nesta that knows so much about the game, is it more about managing the players and learning the game from Nesta? Is that how it has been your journey so far?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um... Like, it's it's so good to be able to learn, you know, from someone who's had so much experience um, and learn from so many great coaches that he himself has. Um, and obviously, the knowledge of the game um, that he provides to the players and us, it's something that I always just try and soak in as much as I can. Um, in the early days, however, um, what happened was, well, actually, I joined just as Nesta was leaving for a couple of years. Um, Mm. But we had some other great players in the team who were really, really smart that I learned a lot from as well. Um, Guys like um, Yoshihiro, Sakuragi and Yuziroma. So learn a lot from them. But it was really just about trying to just manage um, the team, put the players in the best position and just make sure everyone has really clear roles and what to do. Um, And then just learn as much as I can, um, you know, from from everyone. And I think that's something we've done really well over the years is it's been a very collaborative effort um, in terms of learning um, and everyone's, had different experiences and brought different things to the table. And so we learned it with each other. And then I just try and put that all together and, and and put it in a way that's, you know, very clear and simple for everyone to follow and and buy into. And then obviously once um sort of once I moved back to Perth Nest they just come back, you know, not too recently as well. And that's finally when we got to team up together properly. Um and so it's been the last couple of years and just been able to learn and see sort of courtside as well. Um first hand has been, you know, really, really good and just i picked
0: up a lot from it so and uh nesta and alex futsal nwa uh you guys pretty much have been uh the most successful club in wa played 15 tournaments 15 times the premiership won 10 times uh and the championship won five sorry is that is that correct i just lost it here six six you, six, times. six out of the last yeah six out of the last 10 finals is that correct something like that
1: yeah, we've been in ten grand finals. Yeah, and we've been yes, correct. Games, so you won the yeah.
0: so you won the premiership ten times and the championship six times. Yeah. How has your, this journey in WA been um, so far? So who who have been some of your rivals there in WA?
2: Lala, you guys, You love talking about
1: this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, obviously a, a number of those titles were also won sort of before I joined the club, and they, I think the sort of being as someone that was looking from the, the outside there, the biggest rivalry in the league was uh, Cumbrae and, and Braza, um, Sterling, mm-hmm. Brazza jinga And a lot of the grand finals were contested with them and Fremantle were one of the rivals as well there. There was a couple of grand finals, I think, against them. Yeah. Um, and they were always, like, as a neutral, just going down to watch those early grand finals, was. they were always really good spectacles with a lot of really high-quality players. Um, and then sort of since I joined, we've had a few different rivals, um initially when I was there, it was, again, it was Sterling was one of them and Murdoch Warriors, who were really strong at the time as well. We played mm-hmm. them in a grand final. Um, and sort of the last couple of years since I've um, been back, we've had, um, again, Sterling was another constant with uh, the last couple of seasons and we had another grand final against them. South Perth have been another more recent rival, um, sort of an emerging club. Um, and they're the ones that we played in the grand final series last year and, this season will be interesting to see who, who the main challenges are. There's looks like four or five teams that are that are competing for it. So
0: Yeah, I see, I see. And what about you, Nesta? Uh, how has this journey in WA been so far?
2: It's been very good. Yeah. I mean, this is our, this is the league we play all the time. The SFL is is our home, really. So for us it's very important, or it has been very always given a lot of relevance to the premiership or what we call the league here. Of course, mm-hmm. the championship is well, everyone celebrates and all that, but I like to see the premiership as the most important thing because it shows that you're consistent across the, you know, the length of the tournament. And for us to win that tournament 10 times out of what is it, 15 that we play, it just shows that we sort of managed to find that consistency that, that we wanna, that you wanna have. You know, obviously playoffs sometimes is one or two games that you have you know, you can be either lucky or unlucky and then you either win or lose, but it's only the long tournaments, like the, the leagues that actually make, in my opinion or in my feeling, I always try to give that relevance. So winning that 10 times is is a good number. So I try to see it. I try to see it, you know, I'm not getting too fast. So in the last five years, we probably had a few a few patches there where we didn't win anything and all that, but. Well, I like to try to see things in a 10, ten year period, you know, what have we been able to achieve in a mm-hmm. 10 year period. And, and I think the balance has been pretty positive. So.
0: And talk about rivals, who has been some of uh, your personal rivals in uh, in W.A.?
2: Oh, definitely Braza. You know, I always had this rivalry with Victor, <laughs> Brown, Victor Yeah, But it's, I mean, it's a, it's a rivalry. I'm good friends of him, really. So it's not... It's not a is not a big big deal outside of the court, but obviously I guess there's the two teams that have been more consistent. You know, they won the Premiership. Uh, what is it, four five times, mm-hmm. and um, and they always sort of been there, challenging us and we are challenging them. So I, I like to see them as our biggest competitor. Of course, also because they've been run by a by a, another foreigner like myself with Victor Brona, So I think is a. It's a, good, it's a good matchup in terms of how you sell it and yeah. all that so you know, so it's uh the braza has always been for me the the biggest competitor and i guess it, it would always be regardless of how they do in future you know it's, it's a team that uh, personally i have in in the good books for that
0: <laughs> now i remember watching you guys against braza so many times and always good matches uh always a little bit of fire a little bit of uh, a little bit of fight on the course that we love that and we'll talk about the highlights of the club. I know premierships mean, but what has been some of the highlights of the club in the last eleven years?
2: Well, I guess, I guess, um, I mean, personally, for me, more than the, the, the trophies and the, the achievements that we had as a club is the, the the quality of players we've been able to produce and the amount of players we've been able to to get to commit to futsal. So, that for me personally, as a founder, has found that it's been my biggest achievement. You know, there's a lot of players that even here in the league we see playing for other clubs that, that are playing futsal and are committed to futsal because they were sold to futsal at Cumbria. So, for me, that's important. And, uh, and also the quality of players that we're able to produce at the club with um, the resources we have had, which is obviously limited. Players like um, Ferris, like Tyler. Like Yazid, and, and there's a lot of players. Gerardo, who is currently in, in Melbourne as well, a lot of players like that. Samim, who is in South Australia, They're good, good quality players that have um, sort of um, sort of take that next step uh, in the sport at least locally in, in in WA and in Australia, and able to achieve good things. And um, for me, that's that's probably the biggest achievement. Some some at a junior level as well. So we're able to travel a lot. To with um, with our juniors, especially mainly in Melbourne, with the Futsal loss tournaments and we've done a few international tours as well. So all these kind of things for me, are, I guess, it's, um, is the main thing, um, especially more than what you can achieve in terms of trophies and all that. That's, mm-hmm. that's also important, but just the amount of players we're able to sort of get into the sport.
0: Is that something you guys always, uh, always have in mind, Alex, to have these players coming through the system? Uh, helping them becoming senior players as well?
1: Uh, definitely. I think, I mean, echoing all of what Nesta said, I mean, just you know, obviously there is the, the winning trophies and traveling and all that, but the biggest satisfaction comes from seeing the amount of players that have come through a youth level with the club and have now been in the first team and have gone on to achieve good things with the first team. Um, our current core of players, the majority of them, well, a large part of them have been with the club um, since they were maybe eight, a couple of them since they were eight, nine and a few guys yeah. since 13 or 14. But they, that's when they started futsal and they played with us, you know, from those ages and over the last five, six years have sort of transitioned through to the youth, to the draft and are now in, are in SFL. And I think that's the biggest satisfaction is seeing is seeing that development. Um, and it's something that I think um, is somewhat unique in terms of our league and the amount of players we've been able to produce, you know, just from our club.
0: And that's something so nice to see. I, uh, just before when went on the website of Cambio Cumbria and I saw uh, a video of Tyler when Tyler was like 14, 13. And then uh, I remember seeing Will Will just has his debut the other day. Uh, I remember he say, remember him playing the 10th Nationals at Futsal for Cambio Cumbria. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been so good to see. We had Rob Varela on the show about two weeks ago explaining that at Drew, they have a, they have a system that Every team that they have, their goal is to play for the senior team. And also the way they play is focusing on playing for the senior team one day. Do you guys have something similar at Cambry Cumbry?
1: Yeah, that's um, something we've sort of implemented, particularly over the last couple of years. So we went through a bit of a rebuild, so sort of between 2017 and eighteen, just finding it took us a few, a few seasons but just finding the right players you know season, for season adding a few extra ones from you know from our youth all the way up to our first team. Um, and really we want all all the youth teams and the draft teams playing the same system, learning the same system as the first team so that it's just an easy transition from one level to the next um, and it's a philosophy we want to have within the club. you know we all play a particular way. We play on these principles, on these values, and that's what we want all the players to buy into, from when they mm-hmm. first join the club to when they make it into the into the first team.
0: Nestes, that's something that you're really proud of, uh, having this 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 way of playing that uh, every team has to play off.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, I'm I'm playing with with players that I used to coach when they were eight, nine, or seven or six. And now I'm already I'm playing with them. So it's, it's great that uh, first they're still in the sport and uh, they're still at the club and um, and they play playing the way I want them to play. So it's, it's great, you know. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. great satisfaction to see that. But also it's a great commitment for for me and for the club um, to sort of um, replicate replicate that and try to multiply those numbers and make them, you know, not producing 10, 20 players, but 100 or two or 500 players. Um, per season or per year, so that's that's uh, just another challenge. But that's where we are now.
0: Mm-hmm, very good. What about the, the women's women side, uh, the the girls side of the game? How how is the Kamukumbi women's?
2: So yeah, so as as, we, as Lala said, we went to a rebuilding period probably a couple of years ago, and then we we had to stop our women's program. So um, that's obviously due to the lack of of really uh, volunteers to help with with that. So uh, we went back to the women's or so we 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 got back that program going from from this year. So um, obviously in light to ahead of the opening of, of uh, the home ground and we want to start building. But the idea is to replicate the same model we have with the men's. You know? So so we expect to see players, local players being um, produced and, and developed at the club and take them to the next level.
0: Uh, very good, very good. All right, now talking at a national level, uh, I feel, that's a personal opinion of mine, that Kambu Cooper was put on the map uh, during those, I would say, those golden years of winning the Series Foots Australia four times in a row. Uh, is, is there an opinion that you guys share with me?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, that's um, at the time, that was the only tournament we could really play Outside of WA, so of course, it, you know, th- we, it was a very competitive tournament. It was uh, all the best players in Australia were there. So, for us, we early on set it up as our challenge outside of Perth, you know, and and we went there a few times and we didn't win it, and but that was a challenge. So uh, eventually, we ended up winning it and doing well, and and I think, of course, that was a stepping stone for us at a national level, and from there. You know our players were seen, and other opportunities came out. Some of them went to play F League, uh, and some of them went to play overseas. In the case of of Yazid and Faris and Salman um, playing in um, in his, his, in Kuwait, and all these kind of things, obviously, um, were helped by our performances in serious futsal. So serious futsal has been a, a very important tournament for 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 uh, for, for, for a club.
0: What about you, Alex? Uh, remember you coming to Cambria, uh, to I, I think you came as a filling a coach or something for the first time, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So the first trip, I mean, it all none of it really went to plan initially. I mean, we that that tournament was just only a couple of months after I joined the club, and, and Nestor just sort of moved back to to France, and so we were sort of in this um, in this period where we we still had you know a good team together, and they had just won the their first SFA Cup. Um, and we were going ahead to to the second, and I sort of went as one of the the players. Um, and we had we had a pretty unorganized start in our first game. We 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 blew a three one lead, um, and we just yeah we, we, the organization wasn't quite there, and we, we sort of identified that pretty quick. So that night um, I had a chat to the team. I said, look, you know, obviously one of the issues is we just we don't have the organization at the moment. We need that for this tournament. So I'll, if we guys, you know, if we want to buy in, I'll our manager team would just make sure that everyone's got their clear roles. We've got the, you know, we've got a good team. We just need to make sure it works together. And everyone was like, great, you know, that's what we need. Um, and so next, the next day we obviously played against you guys, Pasco, Vale. Um, it was a very tough game. We, we went down 2-1, um, but that was sort of our turning point. And then we ended up winning the next three group games, qualified for semifinals. And then by then we got on a roll and we beat South Brisbane in the semi-final. and then, um, Vic Vipers in the final and by that stage I mean we just everything was clicking but yeah he didn't start off very well and we didn't certainly have those plans at the beginning so I sort of got into that Matajiri role almost by um yeah, almost by accident initially mm-hmm. so but he worked that well for us and then we sort of stuck with it when we came back to Perth I stayed in that role and we had a really good 2016 where yeah we ended up winning another SFA later that year the one that was in Perth so
0: it worked very well. Uh, those, those two SFAs was very um, remarkable for me. I remember Nesta played an amazing game in the grand final against Vic Vipers. I think, um, yeah, Nesta was on fire. Yeah, the, did you get MVP of, the, of that tournament, Nesta?
2: Yeah, I did. I did. I yeah, I remember. That 15. was the
0: tournament, the best, one of the best I've seen, in Nesta. But um, yeah, that grand final was a good game. And then in Perth, you guys beat Brazil in the grand final on, pe- on penalties, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so some, some good times. Guys, uh, I know you mentioned the F-League. That what's been You had many of your players playing the F-League, uh, the, the old National League that's not currently happening. Uh, but what was the reason why you guys never entered Cambio Cumbria as a club in the, into the F-League?
2: Yeah, F-League was always difficult for us because of the requirements they had, because all games had to be played over East. So it was really not feasible for us to really play that tournament. It was just too much of a cost, you know, no gain, no home games guarantee or anything. So it was really difficult for us as a club to really commit to doing something like that, especially, you know, try to do make it consistently. So mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we assess, and we consider it, but it was just not, it didn't make sense to do it. So, so after all these tournaments that we play in Melbourne and all that, I was, uh, I was invited to, to play for a few teams and um, But I always sort of try to, so sort of if I come to any trips, if you look back, any trip that I've been to, I haven't been to many trips, especially because I always ask, okay, if I come, I'll come with someone. I need to be taken. I, I want to bring some of my boys too for them yeah. to get experience and all that. So is how I ended up playing for, for Galaxy when Vini asked me and all that and Amando, I think he was at the time, to play. I was like, yeah, I can't play, but I like some of my boys too also get that opportunity so he ended up being okay for us because some of them could get the chance to go and play and and, uh, and get experience um, but obviously as a club is something that it didn't make sense and we just could not do it
0: yeah that makes sense um, that's one of the things that even at Pascovia in Victoria people always say that we want lots of things uh, at the state level we want uh, private organizations like Futsalos but we never ended up playing F League. There's talks of the F league coming back next year. There's talks that the National League will come back. If they consider some changes to make things more uh, viable for you guys in, in Perth, would you guys consider playing the, Na- the National F league?
2: Yeah, I mean, once things, those things happen, we'll, we'll consider it. I mean, National League, we'll, we'll love to eventually to play a National League. So it's something that we'll expect to happen within the next few years. You know, so I guess for for us now, the focus is to try to to take ourselves to a professional level. So it's something probably I realized a few years back is that you know we can't really be expecting things from outside to work out for us. So we're just focusing ourselves, try to take the club to a professional level, try to make mm-hmm. it financially viable, and then when things happen, you know, it's not up to us when those kind of things happen. Then we we can be in a position to to sort of consider it. So if it happens, yeah, we'll, we'll look at it. Hopefully in the next few years, we can be at that point where, where we can call ourselves a professional club. Professional club.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, the also one of the questions I want to ask you just m- before we move on, talk about being a professional club. Where, where does the funds of the club come uh, mostly? From sponsors, from the academy?
2: Yes, yeah, so, of course, from the start my, my goal was to try to make it as professional as possible and eventually it turned it became to, to be oh we wanna be a professional futsal club and you know um what obviously try to to define what that means is is it can be subjective and and I, I put it in two different areas. One is obviously fine financially, just try to make sure the club is financially um, sustainable and in a position to you know, to, to, to have the, the funding to, to pay players for playing, pay coaches, all the things that mm-hmm. I couldn't really do as a, as a player and I could really struggle with in my playing, playing life. So I, I like to, to have the club set up in a way where the players that are playing at the club are professional, which means they get paid, they get wages, they employ like, like you know, like you do in any other sort of work. And um, the other, the other, the other aspect is uh, the members. You know, to have enough fan base to, to sort of support that idea. You know, at the moment we, you know, we through the years we we had anywhere between fifty to 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 one hundred fifty members. You know, we really need a, a fan base of a couple of thousand people. You know, to sort of support an idea like that to make it professional. We need, we need enough revenue streams to to sort of sustain what we can, you know, be calling mm-hmm. a professional futsal club. So, so there's a lot of things that need to be in place for us to be professional. And that's, that's been personally the focus for me in the last uh, three, four years. And, you know, obviously we'll work at Pro futsal, and, and that's the direction we, you know, we, we want to take the, the business of Pro futsal as well, try to help the clubs, try to get their own, their own establishments and, and their own pathways and, and uh, making Cumbria professional is my goal for the next two years
0: very good very that should be there should be every every club's going Australia shouldn't it? stop taking food so as a social club and and become a professional club shouldn't it? yeah uh we've had here in Melbourne about three clubs now that they're currently paying players, so there is Moreland I'll mention the three and the, those three actually want to go get on the show Moreland Campbellfield, and western Wolves they're paying uh more than pretty much all their players Campbell field some west of some um do you guys have any clubs in perth currently paying players
2: lala you want to yeah. go with this one you probably know more yeah. gossip than me <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yes uh so there are probably a handful of players that are that are getting some sort of payment um mm-hmm. There's probably quite a there's probably quite a few players now that at least getting all their expenses covered um, to play, and then there's some that are taking weekly pay, but there isn't there wouldn't be even like just one club that's paying everyone per match as well on top of everything else. Um, but yeah, a few clubs do have like one or two marquee players now, which which are getting some sort of payment.
0: Very good, very good. So there, there has been a game changer here in Melbourne, a change of scenario that. Uh, some of the <coughs> traditional clubs like Pascoveo, Carlton, uh, Fittroy, they, they're losing some of their key players to these new modern clubs, let's let's call them that way. Uh, are you guys trying to be a step ahead of everyone and make Cumbria-Cumbria a professional club so that doesn't happen to Cumbria-Cumbria?
2: I mean, really, for me, it's more about providing the opportunities to players to to make a living of futsal. You know, I've been in that position when I'm paid a game or, Kind of thing like that, and really, you can build a life around uh, conditions like that, um, yeah. employment-wise. You know, so so I guess for me, it's uh, um, it's great. I mean, we, we sometimes we cover the cost of playing for players, and in some players here that are getting paid to play, whether it is a couple hundred bucks or uh, things like that. We see that a lot in outdoor here, but really, that's uh, in my opinion, is not something that you can make a living off, or you can sort of build. Life yeah. with you know, I have a family, and I start up to this day. I'm still arguing with my wife, you know, why <laughs> I have to spend so much time with futsal and all that. You know, I already spent enough time trying to play and all that. And so, if you're you know, in a professional we're,
0: we're, contract, it would be much easier to <laughs> explain to her, wouldn't
2: it? <laughs> exactly, I just be employed. This is what I earn, this is what I have to do, I, you know. So, it's not, it's no argument there, but also provide other pathways like in. In Lala's case, or in our case, you know, we had to eventually turn to be other things in the sport, like managers or Lala is an exercise physiologist and he can eventually make a living of that, you know, through the sport of futsal. So, yeah, but I mean, we we want to produce players and, you know, a, a lot of the players that we have at our club have been offered to play for other clubs, have been offered money to play for other clubs. But they choose to stay with us because they have a strong attachment to the club, and you know, mm-hmm. some of them they have to pay. We, we still charge them. We still charge them a, a member fee, and they have to pay for it. And when we have fundraisers and things like that, they still come and help, just because That's they. As, as, as I said, you know, we we early on we sell or we establish a culture with the club, and they all love the club. It's their club, really. It's not mine or Lala's, and and we they know that. All our efforts are to one day to be able to turn these professional and then come back to them and tell them, mate, you know, we, you're going to be employed, you're going to be getting paid, you know, these to, to you know, to play and to, we want to help you to be a professional futsal player. And that's, that's, that's our fight, really. So.
0: Very good, very good. Understood. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the future. Just before, I have to also mention that Vic Varpa is one of the traditional clubs in Victoria. Otherwise, we're we'll getting trouble here, and they are also losing some of the players to Moreland, Some of their key players playing for Morland currently. Uh, talk about the future. Future is very exciting for Camus Cumbria. Tell us about the venue that you guys uh, announced last year.
2: Yeah. So for a few years back, we realized that um, you know to make the next step or to take the next step, we had to have. Our home ground, so you know, with the partnership with Pro Futsal, we've been sort of building this idea of having a home ground and try to find the funding and all that. And and with the great committee that we had for the last, let's say, four four or five years, we sort of built finally this idea of how we could make it work. And and in the end of last year, we finally signed a a contract with um, with Pro Futsal to to um, have our home ground built for this year. Unfortunately, due to COVID and a few issues with the councils um, that, that's been delayed to, to next year. So we eventually had to change the, the, the land. Initially, we chose to, to build the project. So it's a, it's a futsal center that we're going to build. Um, so we had to change it. And we in the, in the last few details of finalizing a new, a new piece of land down in rockingham for this project so hopefully we get that just uh, secure before the end of the year and we expect to be in it by uh, for the new season which is due to start um uh, october next year
0: October next year has the buildings uh, already started on, on the property
2: no 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 so the build the bill itself will take probably around seven months to to you know for the building to we raised. Uh, we still try to we still try to lock in the land. So as I say, we the land we had secure and, and uh, we had locked in was not suitable for, for the project that we had. Obviously we want to have an international size court and there's a few requirements from from, from our side and uh, and we need to have we need to have a gym and we need to have a a bar and a few things there in place. So the land that we found and we built that project with was not suitable for this project. So as a result, we had to change, we had to go and find a new piece of land. And mm-hmm. now we found Fair a enough. couple of options and, and we try to we're trying to lock it in now. So And
0: what will be some of the opportunities that having a venue will, will provide you guys?
2: Yeah, Lala, you wanna go just start with this while well, I have a Yeah. Um,
1: obviously I mean there's so many opportunities with it. So I mean the first thing when it comes to this, what we really what we really needed from it was it has to have an international court. Um, so obviously we're going to have that plus another another playing court, um, as well as other amenities like a, a gymnasium, a high performance center. Um, there's going to be uh, consulting spaces as well for health clinics, uh, which we want to integrate with the with the community, but also with the performance side of things. So having exercise physiology, chiropractic, physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, ma- uh, massage, all those services and and um, accessibilities in one spot, which we'll have, um, along with obviously um, more entertainment type um, setups like the bar, the um, function room, the, the cafe. So it's really just about providing everything we can in the one area um, to make it a really a community hub that's going to attract members from all sorts of walks of life to come in, whether it's for you know, fitness programs, uh futsal, um, you know, cafe, restaurant. That's uh, ex-
0: you're getting me excited. So, I can't wait to go there. So yeah. yeah.
1: So it's I mean it's <laughs> obviously it's an it's a, gonna be an amazing opportunity and it's something that's um in a way will probably be groundbreaking to an extent in Australian futsal. Um but from mm-hmm. a futsal side it's obviously gonna provide us with the opportunity to really um allow the you know, allow us to provide the players with a professional environment, and that's one of the keys to getting you know to that professional level. Is you have to have the environment there as well and the resources. So having you know a locked in training venue there, which we'll be able to have you know full access to a gym area there where players can do the strength conditioning side, which is something I'm you know involved with a lot with my professional background, um, mm-hmm. and that's something we really want to start incorporating you know, into, into our training is more of the strength conditioning. So the guys at the moment do, do their own things and we do teach them and educate them. And obviously they take that on board. Um, but just being able to do that in that environment will be, will be very different. Um, and it will just allow us to, you know, to really, to, to take things to next level in terms of the training and development by having that venue where we can, we Mm -hmm. can provide all that to the players and to the community.
0: Very good. And, um, what what will be some of the service uh, what i mean is we're uh, going to have academy for the club you're going to have you are going to run uh, leagues there as well or not
2: yeah so we'll have obviously we'll have uh, social leagues and things like that to obviously maximize revenue and try to mm-hmm. get different different sources of revenue uh obviously juniors is a big thing for us um and the reason why we put in all these kind of services the gym and and the health services is to provide a better service for sorry better service for the juniors, and improve our our, our player preparation. So at this point of time, you know, the coaches have been me. I'm not really a, a qualified professional futsal coach, and you know, I had experience, and I play, and all that, and I try to pass my knowledge in in the sport as much as I can, as well as Lala, you know, try to do it that remotely with the players to be more mindful of of the bodies and uh, but we want to take it to the next level. You know, we want players at a junior level to be able to grow, to grow uh, in the sport not only from the futsal side of it, but also from the sort of fitness side of it. Uh, grow at a at a, a at a fitness level of a professional professional level, and um, all those all, all those things are the things we want to put in place. Eventually, you know, we like to bring a, a much better coach than one we are to to focus on the education of of our junior players and. And, uh, and take them to a, to the uh, higher level as possible. you know we want to be able to produce plays uh, at our venue we uh, now home ground in Rockingham to try to have mm-hmm. the players especially the local players that we're gonna have their plays from Rockingham and from Perth given the opportunity to strive to be a high level player you know so and that's what we aim to do.
0: Uh, very good. Uh, we're all hoping that it's successful, and uh, all the clubs can, let's say, copy you guys if it is successful, so they can do the same as you and footy can grow in Australia. Uh, guys, what's uh, what's the future like for Cambio Cumbria? What's what's uh, what are you guys up for next year? I know you have the you had the FCC, the first one Australian Footy Championships, uh, which Gold Coast Force won in the mains. and and who won in the women's? If you can remind me.
2: Uh, in the West, I think. you know correct
0: in the west wonder women's uh what do you guys have planned for 2022
1: yeah well from the obviously the futsal side of things um we've got there is an afcc coming up in early february which we have qualified for so we just obviously there's a few logistical issues around that with all the border restrictions at the moment hopefully around that Um, For WA, I mean, we're still closed off to the rest of the the country. Um, We we might have it open by then. So it's really touch and go. Um, But obviously that's, you know, something that if we do get the opportunity to be able to go to that, obviously we start preparing straight away. And there is another AFCC, I think, coming up later in the year, which we've also qualified for. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, those two big tournaments, but obviously also for us – the second half, of the SFL season from from January after Christmas break, all the way to playoffs. So that will be a big focus. on so making sure we we try and win the league again and the playoffs again. You um, guys currently then, sitting second, are you? Yeah. So now that we've played our game in hand, we've we're equal. Well, we're equal. Top I, equal I think first. we're a couple of goals behind on goal difference. So um, after seven games, but yeah, plenty more games to go for us. And yeah, hopefully we're just starting to build up steam now.
0: No, very good, very exciting. Um, hopefully, I get to see you guys here. In, uh, it's going to be in Melbourne. They won F C C in February. Uh, I think my club feature will be playing, so uh, hopefully, I get to play against Cumber, Cumber one more time. Just before I go to the rapper fight, I, I want to share, uh, because I'm proud to say that I've never lost to Cumber, Cumber. I want to say on the show here <laughs> that we've had some amazing battles, and I've never lost. So uh, I want to share here. So hopefully, one day, when you win, you can share with me that now you have lost, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. I'm a fan of the work you guys do with Cambio Cumbri. Uh, if you have anything else to share with us now is, now is the time. Otherwise, we're going to play a little game that we always play.
2: Nesta, Alex, anything else
0: to share or that's all? Oh, that's it for me. Yeah, no,
2: that's, that's, all, Alex. that's it for me as well, yeah.
0: Perfect. Perfect. All right. So the, the game we always play is called rapid fire questions. I have 40 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Uh, just so you know that the top of the table is 11 points. It's been 11 for a while. No one can break the 11 point mark. Uh, Vinicius Leite, Jordan Guerrero, Peter Parthimos, Elder Abrams, and Alex Novotisis all on 11 points. Um, yeah. So no one can break the 11 point mark. Hopefully it's going to be one of you guys. <laughs> uh, Who would like to go first? Uh, we'll oh, you go first, You go, you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
2: You close up to Andre in the screen.
0: So let me just get it ready here. All right, so let's start in three seconds, Alex. You ready? Yep. All right, so three, two, one. Favorite futsal club in the world. Easy, Cumbre. Tell us a nickname you have. Lala. Greatest futsal player of all time. Oh, Kyle. Best futsal goalkeeper you have ever seen in Australia?
1: Oh, that one's tough. Um, Jabata. Do you prefer summer
0: or winter? Summer. A futsal coach you look up to?
1: Nesta Fonseca.
0: 3-1 or 4-0 system? 4-0. Match reviews at the end of the match or at the next training? Next training. What was your first job?
1: Uh... Cinema. I was against cinemas.
0: And that's time. So, Alex, uh, you did well. You got stuck with that question. of of the best goalkeeper. Yeah. You should have just so you know it's personal. there's no one's gonna blame you for the answers. You just should have <laughs> yeah. just answered whatever you could. Uh, you been. got you got eight answers. I think if you hadn't got stuck, you would have broken the eleven question mark.
1: I know.
0: Nesta, your turn. you go. Alright, let's go. It's starting three seconds. Same questions, is it? No, different questions, obviously. Oh, <laughs>
2: different.
0: <God>. <laughs> 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 you're, you're writing down aces, weren't you? Uh Colombian style, huh? Alright, let's go. Uh three, two, one. Greatest Colombian futsal player of all time.
2: Angelo Caro.
0: Best futsal player have ever played against or with? Uh Falcao? Favorite jersey number. Uh,
2: number nine.
0: Best Colombia city for a holiday des- destination. Cartagena. Would you rather defend against Ferrão or Ricardinho?
2: Uh, Ferrão.
0: Worst sports injury you have ever had? Twisted ankle. Favorite food? Uh, curry. Biggest rival club in Australia? Uh, Braza. One female star from WA. We say that again. I'll give you the last one, one female futsal player from W.A. Camaro. Perfect. So that was nice. Nine points. I say that 11 is really hard to break. I, know, <laughs> I don't know how those guys go to 11. And it was wow. me. I was, I was asking the question. So we can't even blame uh, me taking for too long. Uh, Nesta, Alex, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Congratulations one more time on everything you guys have achieved with Cambio Combri and with your personal careers.
1: Thank you very much, André, and appreciate having us on and sharing our
2: story. Thanks, André, and uh, congratulations on the great work you're doing for, for the sport in this country.
0: No, thank you, Nesta. And just before everyone goes, the next Footy Australia podcast will be with an Australian legend, Scott Gilligan. So that's one that I'm really looking forward to listening to, uh, another one. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll see you guys next time.